Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey guys, welcome to Lovecast, the boys love podcast, where we talk about everything related to boys love. I'm your host, Pixie, and with me are my co-hosts, Alexa and Kayla. Hello. Our guest today is Ari. They have a Twitter account with very interesting observations about BL culture, as well as the BL fan interview project on their Patreon. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you for coming. So I know that you sort of have a long resume, so I thought you might go through that yourself on what what kind of makes you qualified to speak on BL and Japanese culture from an academic point. Yeah, of course. I honestly, it all started out because I was um, was an art and art history major, actually. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's where I started and I ended up going to Japan often into some various remote areas to study. And Mm. that all quickly changed within a year and realized that I wanted to have a second major, which was Japanese studies. My advisor Mm. happened to be at the time a Japanese historian. Mm. And he had hmm, probably 25 years in Japan living there working. And he got me really into it. And then he handed me this book and this book was the turning point of all of my interests. Mm. It was um, Japanese. I guess I can say it in English. It's Toto-chan by the window. It's a story by Tetsuko Kuroyanagi. I can get the title for you. (laughs) So it's Toto-chan, the little girl at the window. Japanese. I'm I'm sure you could just Google the English. It's in many languages across the world. Mm-hmm. And Tetsuko Kuryanagi-san, she wrote about her childhood, and mm-hmm. she was she was a child who needed sort of alternative education to what was available in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so she went to basically 
a Japanese version of a Montessori kind of school. And so Mm -hmm. this was during World War II. So her school was in boxcars, in train boxcars, and they had (laughs) a big, beautiful piece of land. And it was very interesting. And it very well mimicked Montessori style, children Mm -hmm. sort of leading their lessons and concentrating on what was most interesting to them, yet completing their tasks. So it's very interesting. It was alternative education Mm. historically in Japan, not fiction. And I got completely into that and then wanted to study educational history and policy in Japan. So that's where my first concentration was. I was doing linguistics. I was doing history given my advisor. And then I was doing educational history and policy. Mm. So my thesis originally, the first thing I did was over a hundred years of educational policy and practice in Japan. And that was done both in English and Japanese. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Wow. Um, so that's where I quite literally started. Mm-hmm. After that, it was a slew of different sort of endeavors I took on. I wasn't sure if I was going to end up in government work, which I did work mm-hmm. in government quite often for some agencies, as well as the Foreign Service Institute. I started going there and I started looking at training. And then I switched off of that and really just wanted to concentrate on education. Mm. I have a master's degree in international education. It's a research-based degree. And um, at that time, while I was studying that, you know, there was always something overlapping with it. So then I Mm. started (laughs) combining the education and the history and the linguistics. And then what I was picking up for my students, because I was always working multiple jobs while I was Mm going to school so I could, you know, take care of myself and also pursue what I wanted to. Mm -hmm. I started working with students and I've cumulatively managed and or assisted with over 80 study abroad programs at this point. Wow. And that's a lot of students. So (laughs) I was always working with the students at that point. Some of those were shorter study abroad programs. Some of them were, you know, your traditional study abroad programs, scholarship programs, And not just in Japan, all over. But my students constantly would come back. They'd they'd re-enter the U.S. Mm -hmm. or sometimes their own countries. There was international and international. So sometimes I would be helping students from, say, like England to Japan or Mm -hmm. India to Japan, things like that. Mm -hmm. And they would get back home and they'd say, okay, but how am I going to continue my language studies? And all of them pointed to media. It was all media. They, They just kept using media. Mm-hmm. to help with cultural learning, help with sort of this simulated immersion, help with their language studies. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's when I started my research in media. Right. was when I was still studying and still working, knowing that my students were doing this because I was watching it being put to practice, mm-hmm. but there was very little information that I could find and little research actually on it. Mm. So I added one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, then I was working in Japan and I was on cultural preservation projects. Some, I worked with LGBTQ organizations in Japan or one I can think of, a small group of people who were trying to sort of document LGBTQ history Mm -hmm. in their individual university cohort. I ended up working with them on documenting queer presence Mm -hmm. in art and literature through Edo and Meiji and then sort of post Meiji as well and some of those different Mm. changing times 
that's one of the projects I was on. And then I was also doing the research and the media and how media affected culture and mm. society and how people were using it. Right. That was the main thing because, you know, society influenced media, media keeps perpetuating various things that are influenced mm-hmm. by society. Mm-hmm. So I was studying all of yeah. this while I was there and trying to document things and you know, I think at any given time, I had maybe eight different projects going on. Wow. Because <laughs> wow. I can think, you know, at, at one point when I was in Tokyo, I was on a Tokyo University cohort mm. where it was just very few of us. We were tracking the effects of the whole memoirs of a geisha mm. trend and how that affected and influenced non-Japanese people's perspective yeah. of really honestly Japanese people, but also mm-hmm. people and Southeast Asian people. Right, right, right. At the same time, this cultural preservation project on LGBTQ presence and, <laughs> you know, working a job in the government and <laughs> doing other research. So I've, wow. you know, I'm always busy. I was always running around. So when I wasn't in Japan anymore and I got back to the US then I was going full force on my research, which meant mm-hmm. I went back to a university in Boston to study media psychology. Oh, that's great. Cool. Under a professor there. And his, <laughs> he did a lot of stuff, but what he was doing <laughs> while I was there actually happened to be attraction and dating apps. And right. also he had just finished a project on multitasking mm-hmm. and behavior switching between devices and whatnot. So mm-hmm. he was doing a number of things and uh, I'd help with various things, but I always had these other interests sort of running alongside them. So that's where I started looking at behavior and media. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, I'd been in fandom since then that entire time personally. So mm-hmm. I'd come back and I would offer what I know, Hey, this applies to fandom because honestly the fandoms that have been studied are, are celebrity fandoms, sports yeah. mm-hmm. fandoms. Right. Sometimes live television kind of fandoms, but mm-hmm. almost nothing in anime and manga except by people who are interested right. in anime and manga. So in, yeah. in mass, there's not a lot of research like that. But mm-hmm. there were researchers who did things on, say, like questions they had around fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. People use fan fiction to learn another language, things like yeah. that. How does it affect learning, writing skills? Mm-hmm. Those are some of the first ones I saw. But I can guarantee you almost nothing in behavior. So that's quite a new topic. And as you can see, there's not just this one field to Mm -hmm. go and study in it. So quite literally, I took my art history, my Japanese studies, (laughs) my Japanese linguistic and history, my international education, intercultural communication, and then right up to the media effects and media psychology. And I still use all of them. Amazing. It's not that my job particularly ever had to do with this directly. It's that I was constantly working with this in the background while I was Mm. doing everything else and ended up here. Since then, I I panel occasionally. I share what I have on my Twitter, my social media, Mm -hmm. simply because I think it's fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. I feel like there's a lot of stuff happening without anyone. Everyone has an opinion. And there's a lot of infighting (laughs) in the communities. And we were talking a little before we started recording about how 
there's different sections within like the boys love community like you have the manga you have the novels you have the live action and everyone has sort of different opinions about how boys love should be executed mm. and what is okay to have in the story and what it's not okay and what it means to and what boys love mean versus queer media there's a lot of that going around and oh, yes. that's <laughs> <laughs> because there's so little people actually at least from our side in the live action community we don't see a lot of people actually researching mm -hmm. these things and talking about it it's just a lot of random people having very strong opinions on things right. yes and i never want to tell someone that they have the wrong opinion but i do think it's important to discuss stuff that we think we might understand but don't at the same time because we don't have the, all the facts, right? Right. Well, it never it never hurts to discuss. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> Truly. I, I'm very, for as intense as I get on my Twitter, mm -hmm. actually quite a laid back person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I use myself as an example sometimes, a bad example. Because, <laughs> you know, I like I said, you know, I was just describing for probably far too long that mm -hmm. my path was not linear. Mm -hmm. There wasn't steps to take. I was fumbling around, mm -hmm. figuring out what to do. And my institutional review boards were constantly laughing at me like, you're hilarious to watch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had so many different things going on. And at one right. point, my advisor said, why are you doing all of this? And I said, yeah. I'm interested. I'm yeah. so I love it. And as you said, you know, there's, there's two sort of different moving parts here. Mm -hmm. When it comes to history which look, we mess with history historically, mm -hmm. we all know that, but yeah. we shouldn't. We need to record history properly mm -hmm. and openly. Mm -hmm. But the history around this topic, we've got a lot of people on it. There are lots yeah. of mm -hmm. researchers out here, I guess respectively, that are paying attention to the history. And mm -hmm. ultimately, most of the researchers people are seeing online are not Japanese researchers. Mm -hmm. We refer to them but the Japanese yeah. researchers aren't running in our circles. Mm -hmm. So you're not seeing them. But the thing is, is the history has been documented for the most right. part. And mm -hmm. yeah, there's some gray areas who used Fujoshi first kind of thing. Yeah. It was all happening at the same time. But we have a pretty good idea of what's happening. So when it comes to the history, when it comes to what we should call, you know, facts mm -hmm. or things like that, mm -hmm. we have those. We yeah. know what that looks like. When mm -hmm. it comes to behavior of fans yeah. and things like that I like to say just like I do with my education there is no one way to do this mm -hmm. there's, there's not one single way you should do this and there's no one way to do this we don't have mm -hmm. the universe's guide to like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's no one right answer to everything like yeah, everyone yeah. is different everyone's gonna have a different opinion everyone's gonna have a different like like even culturally or how you grew up or how old you are, everything is going to factor in. And things are going to be constantly evolving mm -hmm. as well. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, look, we've gone from yowie paddles to <laughs> discussions about representation in media. Yeah, <laughs> not the yowie paddles. 
which I come from that era. So I never ordered right. one. So I did see them often. And I do know what people did sometimes use them for. So, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. One of the, like, in our side of the woods, one of the things that's often up, up for discussion that most, like, I would say most of the community isn't comfortable with is the term fujoshi. Right. Mostly because you see in Thai BLs and live action BLs in general, they present the Fujoshi as batshit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's the, the girls who are like stalking men and taking pictures of them and, oh, and like shipping together men who aren't necessarily gay. And it's just, and they're like listening to conversations, posting secret pictures online to their friends. And you're very busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's given the term for Joshi such a bad like <sighs> reputation amongst live action watcher because that's what they see. Like we don't really know much about the term other than it's supposed to mean rotten women in Japanese that's all we know <laughs> so I'm kind of curious where like the term came from and I see like a lot of on Twitter a lot of people like reclaiming the term sort of yeah to... there's a history of that yeah yeah as far as Fujoshi goes there's one thing I want people to hear mm -hmm. before I explain the history of the term because we you know the history of the term is floating around online we know it. It's, it's not mm -hmm. hard to figure out, but there's something I want people to hear. Mm -hmm. You are seeing a depiction of Fujoshi. Let's just say Fujoshi, these people, mm -hmm. this kind of fan in media. You're seeing a depiction mm -hmm. of a fan in media. And there are going to be people who copy that, mimic it. But the idea, the depiction this portrayal originally came from a fan, you know, it originally was a portrayal of a fan, but mm -hmm. then media writers, the creators do what they do best. Mm -hmm. They make it bigger. Yeah. They make it more dramatic. Exaggerate it. Exactly. They exaggerate it mm -hmm. for media purposes. It, it makes an interesting story. Right. But that's not necessarily how these fans would act quite the opposite mm -hmm. you don't have people you know stalking around couples and whatnot mm -hmm. taking pictures and stalking them and mm -hmm. I mean, very much you know there might there i'm sure i'm sure there are fans who <laughs> sit at home and might say oh these two boys look so cute together and mm -hmm. you know they're not sitting with a megaphone announcing that kind of thing you know mm -hmm. dramas media even there are stories like this in manga of course, you know, BL-based manga or just, you know, shoujo manga where there are Fujoshi type characters who are acting this way. But the thing mm. is, is in real life, you don't really see them that often. Now we might be seeing some more. I can't mm. say that I have, frankly, but you might be seeing more because those depictions have been out for a long time. Mm. They've been going, I mean, I'd say most of my adult life and you've seen them here and there. So there are probably some people mimicking that very easily. But mm -hmm. ultimately, this concept we have of what a Fujoshi is, and she acts this way, particularly in circles where this might be portrayed more often, you're saying, in um, 
Thai deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and dramas. Honestly, it's it's a character. Yeah. She's a character. Yeah. And it's a character type. And mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that it's happening. Mm-hmm. And we're so consumed with media, it's really important to remember that there is a difference sometimes between how somebody's being portrayed in media versus how they really act in real life. Mm-hmm. That is the most important thing, I think, to remind yeah. yourself of. Can I? Yeah. I have, like, because recently we heard a lot of management companies in Thailand have to go out and leave messages for the fans because they're stalking <laughs> actors. Yes. Ooh. So yeah. my question here is, do you think, like, because of live dramas showing off this attitude like it's okay, do you think that that has an effect on the fans to the point that where they would think that something like that is okay? Because we see it happening. If they make it, I think if they put it in sort of a comedic light, like, oh, this mm. is so funny that this is happening, mm. or they mm. sort of, there's not really a negative spin on it when I see mm-hmm. it in media. And again, I haven't seen many of the dramas that you're watching, yeah. but if they put it in a comedic light, they might be laughing it off. Yeah. But I do know that there have always been fans of, that of, are all, a little bit of all types who are very excitable, yeah. who are very fixated, and mm. have these behaviors. And I look at the example I can only give is look at icons in the U.S. who have gosh, I'm going to age myself with this. People you know, <laughs> follow Bieber, you know? Oh, yeah. oh. Like, yeah. you know, I don't know. Yeah. What are they called, are they called, um, believers? believers? Yeah. Believers, yeah. You know, who would be very excited and follow him around. And, you know, and I think of, I, again, I'm not, I haven't been in any of these fandoms, but I know friends who came from these sort of circles. One mm. D, what is One Direction? you know how excited fans would get and some were very fixated and you know that's Mm -hmm. that just seems always be a behavior that's around so i don't think it's actually oh well then of course there's the the ones around korean icons yeah the say song fans yeah and so at this you know this always seems to be happening and i think Mm -hmm. that's, that's pretty much what it is we don't actually look before our time to realize that this this is kind of always happening there's always going to be sort of that dynamic it just gets more and more intense yeah and what are we saying about it are we putting it in a comedic light are we trying to shame people are we you know it's how do we treat it how do different circles treat it I think that plays a big part in do we allow this do we Mm -hmm. do we enable this yeah I think that's like the bigger discussion about it because I personally I've said this before too that I don't like the fan service culture they have in in thailand and stuff because they are perpetuating this idea that these actors are actual couples Mm. and there's like a lot of talk like actors are getting asked by reporters if they're gay like straight out and (laughs) yeah and it's really and like the journalists who do this do it because they know the fans care like they're gonna get the clicks oh so journalists it's not fans it's journalists asking these things yeah yeah (laughs) for the clicks (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's also like they have this these fan meets where they play these couple games like picking like like a pokey stick out of each other's mouths and all of this like it's I think I don't like it when they 
because they know that <laughs> the companies know that they will make money out of doing this because shipping right, is like, it. yeah, it's a big thing. And they've in Thailand, they've done like, I don't know even how to explain it. They've just like, they've really, <laughs> <laughs> they've really monetized fan service culture. <laughs> yeah. So I just feel like the, the way they do this fan service sort of tells the fans that it's okay to behave like that when it's not. I think you're right in that sense. I think they're, gosh, you have to, I have so many different ideas around this that Mm. sort of brought up. I mean, I think of, okay, if I was a normal person, I would not like that. You know, yeah. I first would be confused and I, I wouldn't really mind. But ultimately, mm-hmm. if somebody was popping out of the bushes every 30 minutes to ask me, you know, what I do in my bedroom or yeah, <laughs> right, right. like that, I would feel kind of, well, that's not any of your business. So please don't mm-hmm. ask. And I exactly. think if a company is monetizing that and marketing it, it's a marketable scheme, basically. Mm-hmm. If they're mm-hmm. using that and that's their plan, mm-hmm. ugh, I think people should have a big problem with the company. Yeah, and then exactly. straight to the problem as opposed to saying oh fans it's fans it's fans fault mm. actually you know i think it's it's honestly the person who started it's fault <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's fault. true yeah yeah i agree but it's not that we, sh- we shouldn't enable that kind of behavior i'm sure mm-hmm. it makes them uncomfortable to a degree mm-hmm. it, just thinking as another person simultaneously you know they have very different lives from you know, your everyday person, their idols mm. and their cons and they're famous. And mm. I've heard, you know, and we, that has been studied is the experience of that kind of life. So there's, there's probably some parameters around, I feel like security should play a part. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the other thing is, um, <laughs> I had family members who worked in journalism and, but they worked at a very different time. And they said, yeah. you know, there was more training around their era with ethics. Yeah. yeah. And, um, that seemed to be a bigger theme then was ethics education and training and journalism and reporting and things like that. And mm-hmm. one of my family members who's retired said, they just don't do that anymore. Yeah. And I said, yeah. I get the, you know, the feeling that they don't. Mm-hmm. When you look at <laughs> all of the different sort of reporting types yeah. um, occurring. So yeah. That's that's another thing, um, yeah. sensationalism <laughs> and lack of ethics and lack of boundaries and anything for a story, anything to twist things up. And it seems like while the fan behavior, hey, tone it down. Yeah, don't not have fun, but yeah. you know these are people. At the same time, doesn't seem like they're the only problem. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've we've kind of touched on this in in previous episodes, but. It's an industry that's taking advantage of young people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're at an impressionable age. They're excited about fan culture and, and getting involved in maybe sometimes their first fandom or or fandom that's new for them. And the companies see that and they see people who have either some their parents' money to spend, their own money to spend, and minds that are still developing. And they see ways to make money off of that. And so, you know, while there is an aspect of, accountability within the individual. I do think that more than anything, companies and production crews and management teams that that take advantage of those people are the villains here. If there is mm-hmm. a villain at all, it's it's to go to them and not the fans. Yeah. 
But at the same time, like if we want change, we need like a collective mind to tell the companies that this is not okay, right? Yeah, yeah I think it would be more addressing it with people who make money off of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I think there is an idea that many fans are going to understand that at the end of the day, we, we want to respect each other and we want to take care of each other, and we never want anybody to be feeling so violated or uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think they would want that for the people that they're big fans of mm-hmm. either. But again, I just don't, I think the fans are the wrong place to start with. I think yeah. the place you would start with is the employers, I suppose you could say, yeah. or the managers or the companies of these fans. Now, again, that's just really honestly an outsider's perspective. I, I, I'm not in these circles, but I can say that, you know, I think we tend to blame the smaller people around mm-hmm. us who really can't control it, who may just be reacting to a system that already exists. Yeah. Because like, like you said, they very much are aware and do take advantage all over the world yeah. of people and heightened emotions mm-hmm. and being a fan of something and fanaticism and obsession and fixation. And of course, who has <laughs> the money? Who's spending yeah. money? and spending styles spending habits yeah and i i think like often our disapproval about things gets pointed towards other people who have a different view on it instead of actually going to the root yeah yeah, the root of the problem like if you don't like how Fujoshis are pictured in Thai BLs, as an example. It doesn't help going yelling that at other fans. It should be told to the companies that are producing these shows. You said the root of a problem, and it made me think of somebody pruning a tree. Mm-hmm. Watch somebody maintenance a tree. Mm-hmm. I live around a lot of trees, but <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever watched somebody sort of maintenance a tree, they. They're not going for the roots. They're trimming the branches and the leaves. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a lot easier. Yeah, that's a yeah. lot easier to deal with than the root system. Which I have a tree, an old bush tree kind of thing in my yard that I still have not gotten up, and mm-hmm. it's just the roots and the trunk sitting there, and it's just a giant problem. But mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was able to take care of everything else first. Because that was a lot less scary and a lot less intimidating and a Mm -hmm. lot less work and maybe a silly analogy or a parallel of some sort, but Mm -hmm. that's essentially, it's less scary for us to talk openly to the Mm -hmm. people around us as opposed to the bigger companies controlling Mm -hmm. everything, these giants, essentially. Yeah, I agree. Like, I haven't really thought about it like that before. But yeah, I, I completely agree that it should be taken to, instead of complaining amongst ourselves, we should actually take it to the place where it matters. Yeah, it's not unique and it's not distinct to this kind of fandom. I mean, that's almost everything. Yeah. You, know, you have to take it to the the big boss fight to actually have an effect. Yeah. But I know you mentioned Fujoshi as well, and I never actually <laughs> explained that in depth. Yeah, <laughs> Tangent. <laughs> Go ahead. Tangent. Tangents. Fujoshi. <laughs> okay. So when it comes to the term, mm-hmm. simply as it is, let's keep this brief. 
it was meant to be sort of a young young woman unmarried woman that was you know there's a linguistic history in there that's not really related to what it became but Mm -hmm. it became rotten woman and there was it was a speaker or um it was at an event or or excuse me it was a publication that's what it was Mm -hmm. that used it first and well they may have not used it first they just published it first and and that you know as soon as something is in the open like that then it just becomes a crazy trend and everybody wants to use it and Mm -hmm. and guess what it means and define it themselves and this is in Japan and again this would be you know around 2000 though I had heard it used in the 90s so that is a little bit of the gray area but what happened was that around the same time that people were hearing of this there were men usually male fans. Mm-hmm. I guess you could call them otaku types, but they weren't all otaku, just male fans, mm-hmm. who sort of started twisting this term to mean that you were a rotten woman and that because you liked this content, because you mm-hmm. liked queer content, which could be not just gay men, bi men, as well as some hints at some other media as well, but mm-hmm. men was the most common type. Mm-hmm they thought that you were spoiled, like meat. Like that's that's what the rotten mm, kind of is. Right. Spoiled. And you were unfit for marriage. Right. Because you liked this thing. And I mean, above the rampant homophobia right. <laughs> and the sexism <laughs> of it all, which, you know, in Japan, mm-hmm. many countries have a huge history with that. Yeah. yeah. It became what it was and they started trying to use it that way in a negative way mm-hmm. in a derogatory way where the women and also not women but people who may be perceived as women mm-hmm. they were like no 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 <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're gonna make this a positive you know you may want to go around calling us names but honestly middle fingers up like <laughs> yeah right <laughs> We are, we're going to take this and spin it positively, kind of how mm-hmm. we reclaimed other words in history where we say, okay, well, you can call us that, but we're going to call <laughs> us it too. So, ha yeah. you know, yeah. what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And you reclaim it and you make it what it is. Now, why this was so important was because, and this this goes back to the, the history that I worked in, the art history and the literary history. When it came to queer content in Japan, I mean, of course, there were girls' stories as well, but originally it was mostly stories about men because that's who they were going to talk about. Yeah. You know, they kind of had priority. They also thought that that was the readership. And I have a panel that I did last year at FujoCon that I like to link to people because while it is very dense, it covers that history. Right. It was uh, gay in pre modern Japan. And uh, umbrella kind of gay, but gay in pre-modern mm-hmm. Japan. And I like to tell people to watch that because I hate having to repeat myself sometimes. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it covers the history and it, it shows everyone the history of what was going on in terms of imagery and popular content at the time. And it shows that, you know, a lot of stories about men. And there were, of course, stories about women as well and people mm-hmm. who were neither. But when it came to these romanced, ro- romantic and idolized stories, it was usually of men in love. And they're, they're grand, sometimes tragic tales because they loved tragedy. 
So I'm glad I wasn't born then because I don't like tragedy. But (laughs) (laughs) this was the thing. And you can't ignore history. You can't. To ignore history is just ignorant and foolish. And it's it's there for a reason. We need to look at it. You need to consider Mm -hmm. it. And the history is there. And the themes that were seen in some of these um, popular media pieces back then have carried all the way through to now. Mm, right again the tragedies or some of the themes like i'm only gay for you that was a thing that was a big deal back then yeah we see that a lot in thai bls and stuff right now there's probably a history of that in thailand as well i mean in everywhere you know i'm i'm not this person who's attracted to everybody else just you and it was this Mm -hmm. big forbidden love story not forbidden because they were gay it was you know, like star-crossed lovers, it's kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how they painted it. So these themes have existed for a long time. And mm-hmm. when we get to Fujoshi, what ended up happening was, um, again, in the panel that's on YouTube, anybody can watch it, but I do we'll make it 18 <laughs> Yeah, I do, I do make it 18 plus because I have, um, I mean, it's, it's hosted through Fujocon. Right. Yeah. I have art history in there and it Mm-hmm. Lots of images of things that are 18 yeah. plus. But, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but basically, at one point, the government said, no, 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 we can't have any sexual content or 18 plus content. And that was around, you know, right before World War Two and around World War One. And then it just kind of, it was, it was quiet. It was quiet for a while. It wasn't gone totally. It was just quiet. And then some of the first people to grab that content up and bring it back were women and and mm. women's publishing and they were the first ones to bring that back and because they said look we we don't have freedom of expression here we're not allowed to explore our sexuality and that became a very important tool for them to say well if men are only allowed to do it then we'll tell stories about men mm. and that was a big part of it i know girls love and everything as well as sort of the roots of gay kami they were all coming back around then as well there was this big sort of phase of yeah sexual expression might be okay after all and they kept Mm -hmm. bringing it back so everybody was sort of starting to move around then and reawakened essentially Mm -hmm. but in terms of bl you know these women really brought it back and it was a very important moment for them and also it uh it didn't hurt the lgbt community either i mean right was saying you know here is this obviously not heterosexual content Mm -hmm. and people were eating it up. So even though at first it was, may have not always been by necessarily queer people, Mm -hmm. although again, people perceived as women were a thing then just as it Mm -hmm. is now. So there are some people who were closeted then because again, Japan doesn't have this whole, it's a sin thing. They're they're not, they don't really do that like some other countries. They have a, it's a social inconvenience perspective. Mm -hmm. You, you're not doing your job, you're not getting married, you're not having kids, you know, this is, you're, you're bothering everybody, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Social inconvenience, I think is how they describe yeah, it. Yeah, you're not being part of the collective. Work. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so that was the, the sort of big challenge there, but it did help. It gave visibility. Right. And that is how you help that is the visibility more visibility more and it would build and build and build so in terms of fujoshi yes 
they reclaimed this term and, and then came along Fudanshi and then later, you know, Fujin, Fudanshi mm-hmm. being the guy version and then Fujin just being the people neutral version. All right. Linguistically. And it just grew from there. So people didn't want it to be this negative thing and they were tired of being treated like property, <laughs> which I yeah, imagine yeah. people would be. Yeah. And uh, didn't want to feel so limited and restricted in their expression and it ended up helping with a movement to help other lgbtq people and then mm-hmm. lgbtq people got involved and there's i mean I, I recall um some fundraising events i was at i guess around 2008 or 9 mm-hmm. where you had bl and gl manga and um, not often dvds but manga and right mixed in with all these other books with mm-hmm. queer themes or by queer people. And it was to raise money for these LGBTQ organizations and events. They're, they're all mixed in right there. And that was kind of the idea behind it is that it grew. And in terms of Fujoshi, people now, I think people have always been uncomfortable with the term. Yeah. It wasn't people now who were saying, oh, you know, it means this and this is my opinion of it i mean back when i was a teenager fujoshi people had a problem with because it well they had homophobic issues with it Mm -hmm. (laughs) they said oh you like something gay well mm," you know yeah yeah. (laughs) so i guess it's been changing and there's always some sort of problem with it mostly Mm -hmm. because it (laughs) always ties with lgbtq people so yeah i have um a question kind of about speaking about like cultural reclamation and things like that yeah when you look at like other terms that have been reclaimed throughout history there's kind of this idea that they've been reclaimed specifically by the people who they were used to harm culturally in the past thinking about like the n-word or or queer and things like that so is there any kind of like I don't know if ownership is the right word, but the idea that I'm assuming not because there are people around the world who use the Fujo terms, but like, is there any idea that this, this word belongs to the Japanese community and they should be the ones using that? Or do you see that argument at all? I see. You mean like origination? Like yes, 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 original yes. ownership. I mean, I don't use, I mean, I know I have it on my handle right now. That's actually a joke. Yeah my friend because right. tell them that Fujin meant like wind god or something so <laughs> that's actually a joke on my thing but I don't actually use the terms myself simply because I find it unnecessary for me right. but that's a mm-hmm. personal decision it was sort of an unspoken idea in fandom I think surrounding BL and, and shipping of mm. these couples that you don't have to use it it's quite optional right but obviously it's Japanese yes they own it that means they get to decide what to do with it. Right, right, right. If they decide, you know what, we really don't like this term. We want it to die out, which has not been decided. Let me make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much alive and used. If they decided not to use it, then I think, yeah, you know, you want to pay attention to that and it might start to die out. But mm-hmm. ultimately, when it was being circulated, it started being circulated across borders if that mm. makes sense you know yeah. fans in different countries who were in touch with Japanese fans they would say oh yeah you're a Fujoshi and the non-Japanese fans would be like 
I'm a what? <laughs> started, they started learning about it from, it was shared. Yeah. yeah. It was shared culture and it just became a part, one moving part of this fandom mm-hmm. and how it worked. And you don't have to use it. And at the same time, you need to understand that if you're not Japanese and you're not from that originating culture, it's really not yours to change or define. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that becomes a problem. Like you don't get to decide if it's good or bad you know, or if it's good or bad. Right. But, but if they were using it for you, so you you mentioned some other historical parallels. Mm-hmm. If they were using it on you and they said you can use it too, that's different right. from mm-hmm. somebody maybe just calling you a reclaimed, I don't know, word or something or name. Right, or, right, right. You know, it, it's different. This is a all-encompassing kind of name, Fujoshi mm-hmm. is, that they have said, yeah, you're welcome to use it. We consider you that way as well. And mm-hmm. It was pretty much left there, but it's not required. It's, it's completely optional, but there's not right. a bad meaning to it unless someone tries to use it as a bad meaning. And right. then right. if they're trying to use it as a bad meaning, you need to ask, well, is that yours to define? Mm-hmm. And like, if it was a Japanese man mm-hmm. with not, you know, with homophobic tendencies, who was saying, oh, you're a Fujoshi. Ugh, right, you know. right, right. Okay, he's yeah. using it in a bad way. But if, if it's... Some non-Japanese fan who's just hanging out behind their computer going, ew, I heard it means this and you're this. <laughs> you know, look, you don't know. You're yeah. not Japanese. You don't know the culture. I'd be willing to bet a lot of money that you don't know the history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've heard things. Yeah. And you need to understand the difference between you're hearing rumors and acting on those rumors mm-hmm. as opposed to you know the history or you know the linguistic culture everything you you know about it and you're using it appropriately so there, mm-hmm. there's a difference yeah from what i have seen uh, personally from like japanese culture and stuff they seem to me very open to share their culture with the rest of the world there is there's um there's actually government programs for that yeah oh. they were sharing things culturally because well i mean they had a different they had a few different inspirations over time one of them was to show that they're friendly more hospitable mm-hmm. during historical periods and um one of them was for marketing purposes right. one of them was cultural tourism mm-hmm. one of them was well honestly actually a lot of it's been marketing since then but, but <laughs> <laughs> There was also this thing going around for a while, Japanese people who, I think it was spurred by the government, but they made a lot of people feel like they were, their culture was kind of dying out. They, mm. they made them feel that way. And so they mm. felt like, oh, I've got to share, I've got to share. I don't want my right. culture to die out, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. which actually was around sort of the kimono kind of topic. Yeah. So, you know... I kind of leave that up to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I've worked. I've I've worked for a very long time, mm. on off with U.S. Japanese organizations, right, and mm-hmm. international organizations, nonprofits, where they're there to help share the culture in an educational sense and a, a sort of in the good spirit of relations between countries, mm. and mm. that's the most common way you see that sort of shared today. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going off on like a little different route, 
like I've seen you tweet about this too. There's a lot of people who equate people liking to read BL mangas and novels with sex scenes that they're fetishizing gay men because of it. What's yep. <laughs> your general thoughts about this? <laughs> I, I have seen that. Well, sometimes sometimes I just laugh because I think, yeah. gosh, there's so many different types of BL. Yeah. I mean, I, I read fluffy, happy BL most of the time where they're like, mm-hmm. I don't know, cooking together or something. <laughs> yeah. But there's so many different types. There's crime. There's gritty, murderous stuff. There's... Mm-hmm basically the disney version of bl there's <laughs> i don't know if i can say that there's I'll, I'll censor myself there's a mickey no i can't even say mickey i feel like they're always going to come after me <laughs> copyright wise there's the disney <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's happy fluffy versions there's sad tragic version there's a lot going on and mm-hmm. then there's there's a lot of bl material that doesn't have anything sexy in it yeah um, and then there's a lot of stuff that does have sexy in it so yes you got a variety about as much variety as you'd find in a bookstore anywhere mm-hmm. so people are not always reading it for the sexy yeah. that's the first thing you gotta understand the other thing is is there are a lot of people reading it for the sexy mm-hmm. and i mean why not yeah. <laughs> heterosexual people get everything why don't we yeah so if we can have all these different stories sexy or not what's wrong with reading that it's not like you're gonna go out and find two of your neighbors and tell them to kiss yeah that would be awkward so (laughs) yeah in my head I keep thinking this like okay if a gay man read 50 shades of gray I wouldn't like say that he's fetishizing straight relationships from it right like it's just fiction (laughs) it's fiction I mean we I mean I was I was a huge child fan of Care Bears. I mean, you don't <laughs> see me running out being like, there's a bear. <laughs> Are you a rainbow bear? Are you a four-leaf clover bear? Are you a sunshine? No, it's a, it's a bear. Yeah. So- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. There have been moments in media, mass media, where, yes, we have, I hate the word fetishized. Like, mm-hmm. I, I say this to my psychologist well, as well, and she, she's mm-hmm. constantly saying, we, we, we constantly talk about research, and that's basically all we do. But okay. <laughs> she sat there and she said, what is fetishization? And I was like, I think they mean objectification. Yeah, right. About is a better term. Yeah, and yeah. That that's that's a more practical word to use, honestly, because mm-hmm. let's talk about objectification. Let's do it. Let's talk about how LGBTQ people. I'm just gonna say queer people because letters. Yeah, but yeah. Let's talk about how queer people have been objectified. Okay, mm-hmm. I grew up with queers folk. That was a television show. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that was a, at times, gritty and sexy television show. Were there problems? I have no that, idea what that is. It, it's um, it's a, a real live person drama with all queer characters, lesbians, gay men. Like a, basically a big brother for a queer? Not a big brother type, it's scripted. It's, okay. It's okay. But they had rampant biphobia through it all the time because that's what was happening at the time it (laughs) reflects real life so because i would say real life influences media more than media influences real life media can perpetuate real life but it was initially influenced by real life so chicken egg circles you get it right (laughs) (laughs) but objectifying lgbtq people let's talk about what that really looked like Mm. taking gay men and making them into fashion gurus Mm -hmm. and they could not they had to be sexless Mm -hmm. that was a respect or a respectability gay you're okay if you're gay if you don't have sex or if you're not talking about you're not a sexual being that was what that was yeah that's objectifying a gay person that's what that Mm -hmm. looks like okay we're quite literally making them an object they they cannot be human like the rest of us that's objectification Mm -hmm. A person reading or watching a story about mm-hmm. a queer romance is just watching a story about a queer romance. It's not mm. objectification. What you do to real life people is objectification. So, right. and depending on what you do, but my, I had a professor and I, I know I had a tweet about this who basically said, watching something in your living room is not objectification what you Mm -hmm. do to real people can be objectification right so again reading bl watching bl that's not objectification Mm -hmm. if 
these stories do something for you, like make you feel, I don't know, sexy. Mm -hmm. Again, maybe you should explore that. But ultimately, Mm. if you're just keeping it in private and and you're feeling sexy or you're talking to some friends about feeling sexy about these things, you're not actually hurting anybody. No, right. But if you affect real people, you go up Mm. to them and you know, try to use them for something, that's objectification. So yeah. we really need to get down what is and what isn't and right. the treatment of real people. I think that's kind of where this idea of, especially when it comes to the live action dramas, this idea of companies wanting their actors to purposefully blur those lines between their characters and the actors in real mm-hmm. life. Because I think that's what can lead to situations where, fans may be pushing what they see in the characters that those two actors play onto the actors in real life. And I think, like we said before, that kind of goes back to management and production teams Mm -hmm. asking their actors to blur that line and make Mm -hmm. it possible for, they basically ask the actors to objectify themselves in that way. If you think about Mm -hmm. it, like, basically they want them to blur the line between who they are in real life and the relationship that they are portraying on the show. And I think that's kind of where those companies almost push fans to objectify the actors themselves. Kind of sounds like real life fan service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's basically what they push is they, yeah. they want their actors to make the fans believe that they are their characters almost. And I think that's, yeah. that's where things kind of start to steep into unhealthy territory which again, mm. honestly, I'm not in any real life mm-hmm. type fandoms. Mm-hmm. I haven't really ever done that. So I don't have personal experience with that. But I can tell you one right. thing. We could always use more research. Yeah. We could always use more surveying of people and how it makes them feel. It would be great if we could ask the idols involved how it makes right. them feel. Yeah. But there's contracts that's right. yeah. there's only so much they can say mm-hmm. yeah and especially with thailand with their defamation laws and all that yeah. you can't really be honest happen, so yeah it would be great to have more research on it and mm-hmm. because it is such a prevalent thing people should study it i welcome mm-hmm. people to study this yeah but don't sit around saying hey <laughs> I think you shouldn't ever enjoy this content ever mm. again and it's your fault as the fan just um, yeah. no no I think we need to have open and non-aggressive and non-accusatory discussions about what we think this looks like because yeah. the more we're willing to discuss things that's only going to improve things but not if people yeah. are being aggressive and accusatory and harmful to mm. other fans simply because they don't like them which Unfortunately, social media doesn't allow for a lot of nuance and social media is also, I mean, I was just sitting here last night, relatively, you know, I guess related to this conversation on psychology behind how anonymous social media can be. You Mm -hmm. don't have any consequences. You you don't have to know what's right or wrong. If you're Mm -hmm. anonymous and there are no consequences for what you say, you can quite literally say anything. Mm-hmm. and get away with it and I think a lot of people like to do that yeah 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 we were discussing before this too that the whole thing about social media being at the 
press of a button like you're reacting before thinking and you're just putting out your reaction without giving it any thought before you do so so this kind of creates like this vacuum of just like instant reaction going around twitter and whatnot where no one is actually like thinking about what they're putting out there and i also think that a lot of times when you sort of okay if you tweeted something that you really didn't think through but then later think like oh yeah that's probably that was a bad idea but in the meanwhile someone else has reacted to that tweet and just telling you how a massive fucking idiot you are and just attacking you for that thought you get like you double down and get defensive and even though you agree with the person attacking you you can't like step down because they're they're attacking you and you need to defend yourself right aggression is always going to get a response from people Mm -hmm. either you're going to Mm -hmm. avoid it entirely and just block without yeah which is actually recommended by psychologists Mm -hmm. to do the thing they recommend to adolescents in terms of cyberbullying is they actually recommend just not interacting and and blocking Mm -hmm. it out I don't know how effective that is and it still makes you feel a certain way, but yeah, I recommend that. Or, you know, if somebody's being aggressive, <laughs> your first response might be to be defensive because yeah. why are you being aggressive? My God, mm-hmm. can't you say this without being aggressive? Right. Yeah. When it's, you know, something along these lines and fandom and uh, the other thing you're talking about other than, you know, this reactive sort of environment that social mm-hmm. media creates is also misinformation yeah <laughs> we all know the extent of misinformation <laughs> on social media and yeah. how it affects quite literally everything in life well it's here too mm-hmm. so that's why i like to provide sources and reading and everything yeah. i can find for people is look right. here, read something mm-hmm. <laughs> one thing i'm really curious about is like we've had some discussions in the community about this because the terms seme and uke like top and bottom there's a lot of people who have strong opinions about this because they think like it's disrespectful towards actual gay men because it like does classify them with the stereotypes of like who's the woman and who's the man in the relationship and it's not how a relationship works Mm -hmm. what do you think about people who use the term because Usually when you see Seme and Uke, they're referring to characters in a manga, a novel, or a TV show, right? I haven't seen someone using it on actual gay people. <laughs> no. Well, in terms of Seme Uke, no, I haven't. I haven't really seen that used on real people. I don't I don't think it would make much sense. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> like Sime Alfredo or like what are we talking about <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to Sime Uke I mean obviously that's Japanese and mm-hmm. Japanese fandom can reach global parts as we know yeah I do not remember the origination of those terms off the top of my head mm-hmm. I would have to go through some notes to find that it's quite contrary to what people think about me online I'm not a human encyclopedia. I like to be one, but I'm not one. Yeah. <laughs> I remember everything off that. But um mm. okay. There are some other terms mixed in simply because 
I think the LGBTQ or the queer community in Japan said at one point, Sineuke was that, that's funny. And, uh, and then they said, here's what we use. And actually some of the terms they started using, like Tachi and Neko started getting sort of integrated into some BL, but Sineuke mm-hmm. have just been like, it's, it's almost like a, a, a fandom specific term. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really make much sense outside. It's like a ship name. Like if yeah. you said, what is the, um, I'm trying to think of a ship name. Oh my gosh. Of course I blank on all ships. <laughs> <laughs> victory. I think that's Victor Yuri. Right? Oh yeah. 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 Victory. If people were watching you spell out victory, I think they would just look at you and be like, I think you misspelled victory. Like, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and they would autocorrect you, but yeah, no, people aren't going to know some of these terms outside of those circles who mm-hmm. know what that is referring to. I actually had the impression when I was there that originally the terms meant not not catching receiving that kind of thing mm-hmm. not like <laughs> not insertable terms <laughs> but yeah. the other they meant like aggressor yeah right. like the one who's pursuing you versus the one who's being pursued that's right we're sort of using them as it doesn't really translate that well i guess when i say it that way yeah but, but that makes sense because usually people just take the terms as top and bottom top and like, bottom yeah right. yeah which is really funny because that's that's more of what Tachi and Neko mean is top and bottom. Which okay. I don't, I, don't <laughs> I have gay family members who are who are men, and well, you know, one and his partner, and then I've been around other men, and that I guess when I hear top and bottom, it doesn't actually surprise me that much because I've heard people use them. Mm. Oh, he's such a top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, <funny. laughs> it's you know two gay men talking about. They're gossiping about somebody. He's such an aggressive top. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm hearing these words. I'm hearing people use them. So I guess they don't surprise me that much. Mm. And I don't feel like affronted or anything. I also know in queer Japanese community, men were not the only people who use these terms. Mm -hmm. They used them for like queer women couples as well. Right. And so that's why I was kind of like, I don't find much offense with this. I mean, don't go around calling somebody top and bottom if they're kind yeah. of like, mean but if you're using it in relation to yourself and your community I don't never yeah really I think a lot of people have a problem with because there's a lot of younger fans who don't really understand what they're saying so they are mm-hmm. using these terms towards actual gay people not semi and uke but top and bottom like I heard a story about someone like a street woman going over to a gay man and asking if he was the top or bottom right that's just mean because you're invading <laughs> somebody's privacy yeah yeah right like, we should talk about what that actually is not oh i bet that woman's a fujoshi no yeah. you're invading somebody's privacy mm-hmm. so that's the problem <laughs> i wouldn't want somebody to walk up to me and ask my spouse and I intimate questions because mm-hmm. it doesn't involve them so right. <laughs> it's privacy that's an issue and I think yeah. to a degree some people feel like they're entitled to invading someone's privacy in that regard mm-hmm. I mean we see it done all the time online when they want mm-hmm. to validate or invalidate your experiences for fan purposes you know oh you you can't like this media and even though you say you're you know, for an example, a survivor of some violent event, 
Mm-hmm. You know, oh, well, are you really, you need to tell me all the details so I can validate that. And that's just a huge invasion of privacy. It's so yeah. disrespectful. And it's, it's honestly, it's, it's an aggressive behavior. And I, mm, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. So from what I think it's like, it's there personally, I, I don't use it myself, but I don't see an issue with people who use the terms semi and UK and top and bottom. I just think people need to understand that there's a difference between calling a fictional character that and taking it into real life. Yeah, I think also, I don't know why people always forget this. Japan has the term for switch too. That's used in BL. I mean, I think it just sort of mimics actual queer life. But again, I think if you said Sime and Uke, I would just kind of laugh and be like, oh, do you mean a top bottom scenario? Because there is Mm. also a culture in Japan that I don't Mm. think some younger fans may know about where you know like we had ship wars right yeah they have they have top bottom wars basically like there may be a ship and one let's say one fujoshi is a fan of person a is a top and person b is a bottom oh yeah but Mm -hmm. their friend it's the opposite they want person a to be a bottom person b to be a top and that's how they see the yeah. ship that's where the sort of fighting comes in for them in that circle yeah that's not really a thing over here i don't think it's yeah possible. that reminds me because that actually happens a lot in like k-pop fandoms too people who uh, ship like k-pop uh group guys together uh, <laughs> they'll ship different like members of the group together and argue about who's the top and bottom and yeah it's really that goes over the line for me because you're those are real people (laughs) right that you're pushing your fantasy on which would you hope that the the fan the the people the that they're shipping don't actually get exposed to that as much because it's yeah but they do you know they do like often some of the more outspoken ones have like mentioned that they don't like like the the mm. shipping culture and i remember there was like a tv show that was i think it was on youtube premium or something like they called top management or something it's a story oh. about like idol group and one of the guys is reading the fan fiction ship story about him and the other guy in the group <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> So they are laughing about it, but still. That's it's that awkward laughing of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, I, that's just such a new area. Not new, mm-hmm. but I don't want to say unfamiliar either, but I guess it is kind yeah. of unfamiliar. It's, a, it's an area that really needs more discussion and mm-hmm. people be more open about it, but because it does involve those real people and yeah. they actually are not allowed to, say, con- contractually, they are not allowed to say mm-hmm. things at times and they're it's it's difficult it's complicated yeah. to actually talk more about that but yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm in in my realm it's fictional characters so it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't yeah. it's not supposed to act like it's yeah. not supposed to work like that where it would involve real people however you know you have a problem with fans and parasocial interaction which mm-hmm. is um, being invested in being emotionally invested in an entity that does not know you exist, which could mm-hmm. be a celebrity, or it can be a, a fictional being, which literally does not exist and wouldn't know yeah. the, of your existence. There's the parasocial mm-hmm. interaction part of it, right. which can actually explain some of the intensity that you're describing with some fans, in addition to how that affects reality status, 
in in regards to my area you know Mm -hmm. these are fictional drawn characters so reality status comes into play and yeah people can't they think that these characters that they so emotionally are invested in Mm. are actual they they have feelings they have real they're real people they have feelings and that's a psychological effect with me yeah yeah like talking about like a little bit about psychological effect on like boys love i talked about this before i have like an issue with how they sometimes adopt novels and manga into live action i i think that there should be a more conscious thought about how they adapt them because i think there's like a it's harder for people to see live action as fiction sometimes oh right because it involves real actors well yes so things like bl is known for like having like romanticized rape and yeah all this stuff like and it's fine in manga and novels i don't see an issue with like the stories you typically see in bl i don't have it's not triggering for me so i don't have an issue with them but when it comes to live action i think that there should be more thought about what you put out there because often like there's as an example there's a show called tharn type and it's based on a novel and the novel is really like <laughs> there's a lot of force Tharn forces himself on type a lot mm. and type is like very homophobic like he doesn't like gay men at all and he's getting like Tharn is touching him in the shower and all that that sounds about as messy as real life <laughs> <laughs> but like they end up together right so it's right. they they kind of make the forcefulness is how type stops hating gay men by getting molested by a gay man and they end up together <laughs> well, that's an interesting twist yeah right <laughs> but they kind of toned it down for the live action a little bit but there's yeah, still i think there are actually regulations for that yeah but there's still like a lot like type gets drunk and Tharn is like kissing him and touching him while he's drunk and knowing that he doesn't like it and stuff like that still in the tv series Hmm. the one thing i can think of is i'm not a not a fan of that kind of stuff either mm. like i said i read fluffy happy stories <laughs> that's my problem but i can think of various media trends mm. that that's where that comes from um i know in japan that there is this whole culture trend in media of uh no 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 yes you know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's actually it's almost like this perpetuated fantasy that's represented in sort of all, a lot basically all media it's definitely been normalized in japan yeah. but I think a lot of people are starting to say you know what let's let's have more consensual sort of material and they're dealing with it they're you know they're gonna deal with it they have lots of stuff to do on their own that's not my business mm-hmm. but it was very prominent in heterosexual pornography. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. That, that was very, very common there. And I think it was perpetuated sometimes in non-heterosexual media to attract a heterosexual audience. Right. You know, bigger audience, more money, more success. Mm-hmm. That was the concept behind it for some of these pieces I'm thinking of. And um, mm-hmm. it's not a great thing. It's not a good thing by any means. 
but I think the money behind the industry would drive it and it's not like I, I think of BL manga where that that mm. was more common now I don't see that many anymore that have that it was more common earlier on like yeah I think 80s 90s you know they wanted tragedy they wanted sensationalized media they wanted mm. interesting entertaining dramatic things because that's what they want that's that's what's going to make money in the industry so if they would editors and 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 whoever else would encourage that kind of writing and story twist and then features in the story I mean I think it's changing in a lot of ways but obviously it's not but I think it it's sort of left up to the producing culture to sort mm-hmm. of deal with it I'm not going to tell people they need to watch it I'm certainly not going to tell people they need to like it because I don't mm-hmm. but that, again you know despite whatever fans are thinking of the media or how they consume the media is ultimately the producers who made this media mm-hmm. so it's definitely industry driven yeah it's definitely got a very long history culturally in various types of media especially in japan so it's kind of hard to say <laughs> it's kind yeah. of hard to be like yes it's changing but you know there always seems to be something they're dealing with because it is reflected in media because it comes from society mm-hmm. that makes sense <laughs> Yeah. Like often there's been a lot of talk lately on how the industry is treating BL. We recently like there's a show running right now called Lovely Writer which is touching on the subjects that or this behind the scenes stuff that's happening in the production. Mm. And like I think the reason why we got Lovely Writer is because there is like there's a heightened focus on what is should be okay and should not be okay like there's a discussion mm-hmm. about it but i do i have to say that i do think some people are being too aggressive about getting a change like to the point that they're basically attacking people who don't understand it right. uh, instead of explaining it yeah I mean, the best thing fandom could do for each other is be less aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> the best thing fandom could do for all of us is say, hey, it's okay that you don't know about this. Let's mm-hmm. try and find information together. And I know that might be asking a lot of people because some people are just genuinely angry. Mm-hmm. And I understand. I understand yeah. why they would be. But taking it out on somebody is misdirected anger. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> really think we should just try and help each other find more information and have these open discussions about mm-hmm. well, what do you think should change and why do you think it should change and what can we what could we say what could we do to help this change and yeah it's an involved conversation but it's good yeah good to have them right I'm interested in in your like project through patreon and I've seen that you've written that like it's mostly queer people who are in the project. Could you explain the project a little bit? Yeah, so the BL Fan Project is something I started last year, I guess around July in 2020. And I just, I've always, it's always been my research style to interview people. I really like interviewing Mm. people. That's my favorite thing to do. And having these sort of in-depth surveys and I've done the I've done the psychological experiments. I've done designing experiments. You know that's fun and all, but I really love the interviews. Mm-hmm. There are so many people I interact with on a weekly basis who tell me 
this has done something for me. This has been meaningful to me. It's helped mm. me. I mean, I get it when it comes to queer content. I mean, I grew up in Georgia in the U.S., mm-hmm. so I <laughs> I was very much not out. <laughs> you know, I've mentioned a couple of times here and there on my Twitter that I had a, a best friend who did come out and there was mm. a very violent response in mm. the community right. and uh, basically left town. And um, <laughs> that was really hard. So I was sitting there as a teenager, enjoying my queer content and shipping in the live journal days and all that. And it was getting me through being closeted and, and mm. Mm. safety reasons, not because I felt like I wanted to, you know, as soon as I got out at 18, I was like, by the way, gay. (laughs) (laughs) And there's so many people who do come to me and say that they experience the same thing or, you know, that having so many great options for stories in this media, help them figure out identity and sexuality or preferences Mm -hmm. or, you know, preferences as in like um, choices or things to try, things like that, you know, exploration in general. Right. Um, Orientation, identity, all that. And Mm -hmm. I think that's very important. Kind of like when I was working in study abroad and all these students were saying, yeah, I use media to help my language and, and sort of a faux immersion kind of experience. They were using media to help their education. So I started studying that. So when it was people who came to me saying, yeah, this, this means so much to me. I'm like, well, you know what? Me too. Why don't we start studying it more? And I wanted to get interviews. I wanted to record people's experiences because that's just one very important type of research. And so I started this interview. I put out a survey. I ask certain questions and I share excerpts. On the Patreon, you can see the full interviews as they are. I I keep Mm -hmm. them anonymous. The only identifiers are age, country, pronouns so I keep it anonymous because I like doing that I think it's more ethical for some of these Mm -hmm. things I want people to be targeted yeah they are allowed to provide me optional emails if they want to continue the interview later which would be a different project Mm -hmm. looking at making it a book of interviews I opened the public site blfanproject.com they do not I don't put the full interviews there I share excerpts right quotes from these answers and these interviews Mm -hmm. and it wasn't intended to show that it's mostly queer people I didn't know what I was going to get I thought there Mm -hmm. might be a lot of queer fans of BL but I didn't know how many and as it's turned out it's been most (laughs) there's been some sort of flavor of queer where that's ace people Mm. loads of bi people Mm. right lots of trans people both trans women, trans men, tons mm-hmm. of non-binary. And of course, we have heterosexual people. So it's been really telling. Now you have to understand, running this survey, it's called, essentially the sample would be called a snowball sample. It means that this survey is reached by people within my extended network. So it's right. almost, it was circulated through social media. So it really only reaches as far as my network is going to reach. It doesn't right. mean that I know all these people. It means that they got it from someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows, someone who knows me. And mm-hmm. then it's connected. So right. it's not a generalizable survey because in order to do that I have actually run those in order to do that I would have to survey a very large population say 
surveying populations of attendees at multiple cons, that would give me a more generalizable survey. Mm. This is more through social media networks. I did get over 550 responses for the first year. I decided to run it annually. Uh, The survey will be run again this year. It'll be altered a little bit. It's not going to be as long as the first one. But I want to keep sharing these voices because I want people to know that ultimately they're not alone. Mm-hmm. That BL does affect a lot of different people in different ways. It helps them explore themselves, whether that's sexuality, identity, or simply just personal stories. Mm-hmm. It touches so many people. And this has been quite global. You know, I've gotten a lot of responses from a couple of places I actually hadn't heard of. Mm-hmm. And then many more, which uh, honestly is quite impressive. A couple of places I haven't heard of, and I used to work in international education and government. So, <laughs> um, to me, I was like, wow, okay, well, I need to look at a map again. Uh, <laughs> and it's so important because so many of the stories are talking about how, you know, either they aren't able to be out or they feel like they can't talk about this with anybody. Mm-hmm. But they have this sort of solace through this media style. Right. And mm-hmm. it's all it's all encompassing. It reaches so many people. And that's what I really wanted to show. I wanted to show fans voices across mm-hmm. the world of BL and um, I'll continue doing that. And I'll continue sharing the pieces of interviews on the main site. And then of course, full interviews on the Patreon. Why I have the Patreon is that it does cost money <laughs> to yeah. run a site, open a site, but yeah. also I want to, I really do want to publish at least one book, a collection mm-hmm. of these interviews, and uh, just go from there. Hopefully get some translators later so that I can perhaps get interviews not in English from different countries, as well as I would like to eventually translate a lot of these interviews into Japanese mm-hmm. to also be posted on the site so that I can share that with BL creators and Japanese right. creators and say, hey, mm-hmm. this is the global reach that your content has. This mm-hmm. is what it does for people. Yeah. And those are those are mostly the goals for the project at this point. Mm. That's awesome. I'll be looking forward to seeing how it, it continues to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really interesting to read. I've been on the website and looked a little bit. So some of it's been nostalgic too. Mm-hmm. It's so funny when you can people who are around my age range and you can tell like they were watching the same things I was. Yeah, same. (laughs) Oh, I remember that though. (laughs) I was gonna say it's also been really telling that not just BL, it's Mm -hmm. a lot of shipping. Like yeah, shipping. That's been a really big deal for a lot of people. And I cannot tell you, and I say this so many times, and my spouse laughs every time I say it, but I open interviews and I'm like, Naruto made people gay. (laughs) (laughs) There are so many Sasunaru ships. (laughs) that I find in these interviews I'm like oh there's another one and it's I I swear Naruto made people gay (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny yeah it was like obviously I'm straight but like I found BL by finding Japanese manga through Naruto so there you go Naruto the BL pipeline (laughs) yeah we joke sometimes in my house, we we say, even our, our heterosexual friends, we say, you're queer in your heart. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think, like, the me discovering, like, BL at, 
at a young age sort of opened my eyes to it a little bit because like obviously or the people that I have surrounding me aren't from the queer community and I know nothing about it or knew nothing about it at that time so it's sort of even though like it's not the most realistic media <laughs> about like how it actually it's still it's a door opening right so it sort of opens up the world to me where I started thinking more about it because I hadn't thought about it before I love hearing that because if somebody's gonna read stories who's not of my community but who mm. appreciates these stories I hope they're gonna be a lot nicer to me kind of yeah thing. yeah right <laughs> we want we want to be included mm-hmm. keeping this stuff exclusive is is not going to help us and if people can appreciate us I mean look do we have these award-winning stories and and shows about people like us not that many (laughs) yeah we need more and we need it to be Mm -hmm. normalized and we need it to be accepted and and celebrated and that's how it's going to be done is through visibility and appreciation Mm -hmm. also I mean of course some of this stuff isn't realistic yowie chin yowie hands we don't look mm-hmm. that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's like the missing link between birds. We don't look that way. Yeah. <laughs> so it's gonna be realistic. I mean, I I think about all the stories that we read, like that are, are fantasy or sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And, right. Yeah, they're not meant to be realistic. They're meant to be yeah. entertaining and exploration and creative mm-hmm. and imaginative. Yeah. But it sort of pushes you into the world at least and opens up questions and open up the idea of gay relationships when you haven't thought about it before. And for me too, like when I was younger, because I, I was probably around 14 when I first saw BL manga. And that sort of helped me to explore the possibility of something else right? Mm. I open to the idea of, okay, what am I, right? So the best thing to be open to. Yeah. And even though like I ended up at the end, where like knowing that, okay, I am straight. And I do like, my pronouns are she, right? But I at least I went through that process of thinking about it and exploring it and just coming to the point where I I know who I am right Mm. I think about I I actually don't share this story very often because I'm always afraid it's going to be used against me and that Mm. that's so horrible if you think Mm -hmm. about it like if um you have a a queer experience and it's part of your experience part of your history and somebody's Mm. like that's not good enough and that gatekeeping Mm. and that judgment why would you do that? We already go through that. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I'm trying to think the first BL sort of material that I ever had, obviously other than shipping was gravitation. So, you know, I'm from that area mm-hmm. and I'm same, still same. like those, those, <laughs> those middle grasper beats. Like I still listen to that music. <laughs> yeah. Give me that electronic nineties beat any day. But mm-hmm. When it comes to, I, I think at some point, right towards the end of my college years, I decided I'm going to read every BL I can find, (laughs) (laughs) which was an undertaking. 
Yeah. And I, I read all the ones I didn't like, the ones I liked. I just, I, I think I read, oh my God, 500 titles in six wow. months. Like I, I went through a lot of BL and um, around that time I started thinking, I really wish I looked like this. Mm. It wasn't, I hadn't thought about my identity yet. You know, I'd, I'd gone through college as a lesbian Yeah, and I knew I knew my sexuality pretty well, but when it came to my identity, questions started popping up because I kept seeing these characters in these like adorable like sweater vests and bow ties. And yeah, short hair, like, you know, <laughs> sort of this aesthetic, and I sat there thinking, "Do I like how I look? Like, mm-hmm. do I do I really like how I look? Do, am I happy this way?" And the ultimate answer was no. Yeah, and. I'm sure that happens for many people, but it's it's such it's a story I don't tell very often, especially on social media, because someone's gonna say, Oh, you just you wanted to become trans because mm-hmm. you read BL and I'm sitting here thinking, No, no, I didn't. I sat here because I didn't like my long hair and I didn't mm-hmm. like the clothes I was wearing that I had been constantly shoved into. No, mm-hmm. I wanted to know about my appearance and how I felt and what I wanted to wear and what I wanted to look like and who I wanted to be. And that opened up all the identity questions for me, which at the time I didn't know non-binary was an option. Right. Mm -hmm. So at the time I was like, well, I guess I'll slide into being a trans man, but at the same time, it didn't quite feel right for me either. Right. And then I had horrible gatekeeping experiences where <laughs> people, did, they wanted to know, well, why aren't you transitioning? I said, well, one, I have a heart condition, so that's going to be complicated. Yeah. And two, <laughs> you know, I don't know if I want to. And right. But I wanted to have a certain look and I wanted to feel a certain way. And I finally got there and I finally met somebody who they identified as genderqueer, not non-binary. And I started looking into it more and more and more. And it was something like a 10-year journey, at least. Um, We were looking at, you know, trans men, non-binary. What am I going here for? What do I want? And once I got there, but just just in the first year, just in the first year, oh, my God, I was so happy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I cut my hair off, and I was like, done. I'm good. My hair was already (laughs) short, but when I I cut it off even more, and I – started wearing what I wanted to and the moment you do that mm-hmm. you're so happy yeah and even if you know what even if a comic book essentially which is what manga is even if mm-hmm. a manga made you sit there and think about who you want to be and you came mm-hmm. to some wonderful conclusion about yourself you should celebrate that yeah that's a yeah. good thing <laughs> yeah. yeah I don't know if we care about explicatives on here but fuck people who you know <laughs> Who, who tell you you can't feel that way and you can't be happy about yourself. Mm-hmm. No, that's mm-hmm. violent. We don't do that in this community. Sit down, shut yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, to anybody who is figuring themselves out through a piece of media, good for you. Mm-hmm. You have somebody on your side. Yeah. I have to say, your story, I relate to that so much. I feel like I've gone through that same thing this past year, but with consuming k-pop oh yeah so like it's like suddenly there was a thing that went off that was like wait maybe there's a reason why i want to emulate this (laughs) specific (laughs) idol maybe it's because i there's something going on there with like non-binary and identity or something so i just really relate to that and i appreciate you sharing that story with us yeah anytime the best thing is to share with each other 
we'll get there together. That's sort of the original message. Have mm-hmm. each other's backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important to discuss and, and be open to changing your mind. Often people get so stuck in what they believe that they won't listen to anything else. And I've personally learned so much just by opening myself up to other opinions especially like the last year with covid and everything like we're stuck at home and we've been more on social media in the bl community and stuff i've i've learned about so many different opinions and i started out coming into the community sort of because I, I saw so many people like they were so against this or so strongly against that, that I felt like I had to emulate that outrage and just like without knowing why. <laughs> so I figured uh, a little bit into it. I figured there's so many people with different opinions and I just want to listen to what everyone is saying and form my own opinion on that instead of emulating the outrage other people have it's understand yes. anger anger is un- like we're, we're all angry at some point at something mm-hmm. or other especially when we think there's some sort of injustice being made but yeah being angry it's okay you're mm-hmm. you're okay you can be angry it's all mm-hmm. right like i want people to know even even the ones we deem aunties or otherwise it's okay to be angry you're okay. It's okay. You can feel that. You're you're not I don't want someone to invalidate your feelings. What I mm-hmm. do want is I want them to read. I want you to genuinely seek out more information and I want you to understand you may not know everything you think you do. Mm-hmm. And when you act on that misinformation or you're very very angry, you could be actually hurting and often do real people mm-hmm. and best thing we can do is slow our roll breathe let yourself feel that's okay and seek out more information Mm -hmm. keep reading seek out more information talk about it with somebody Mm -hmm. but if you're in a situation where you feel like you have to have a certain opinion based on um, maybe a very strict or rigid group mentality Mm -hmm. that's hard the best thing I can recommend is you find somebody that you can trust Yeah. yeah and talk about it yeah, I think like like we have a Discord server that we, me and Alexa at least, met each other through. And everyone there is like, everyone has different opinions, but everyone is know that they can share their opinion without getting attacked. And that's really helped people with being open for sharing because often you don't want to share just because you don't want to be attacked by people. Yeah. So I think like it's a good community for people who disagree with each other but respectfully disagree right right Mm -hmm. so we i learned a lot after joining that server and it sounds like you know that specific circle with as you said bl drama Mm. you're you you have your own unique and distinctive challenges within the media as you said before you know worried about how the companies treat people and what they're encouraging and things like that Mm -hmm. treatment of these actors and whatnot what they're expected to do it sounds like you have you know your circle essentially of bl drama fans have their own unique challenges that Mm -hmm. they will have to discuss but essentially 
the fans did not do this industry. The fans did not market or monetize Mm -hmm. this industry. And you have this unique power to work together and talk Mm -hmm. to each other about, hey, what is this? What do we think? More information. Mm -hmm. What should we do in these open discussions? And yet find Mm -hmm. support with each other as well. That's why I love fandoms. Fandoms. Even though for all of their, for all of the <laughs> bad times, there are certainly many good ones and people find a lot of comfort within their circles. Yeah. I can agree with that. Kayla and Alexa, do you guys have any more questions? Nope. I'm all good. Yeah. You've pretty much answered everything I was already going to ask, but I did have one more question. And it was, why do you think that more recently queer women or maybe just specifically lesbian women have been embracing and consuming BL content? I think for the same reason why women brought BL back. Mm. I sit here and I watch a lot of shows or read a lot of stories that mostly feature men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I sit here and I'm like, how many stories are there of non-binary people? (laughs) <laughs> right <laughs> I don't really have anything to choose from you know when it comes to the sort of lesbian bit of me in terms of sexuality it's kind of like well I have some choices I have some non-good choices that actually mm-hmm. were loved by lesbians but you know whatever you know it's just there are more portrayals of men that's an imbalance portrayal in media men usually get priority stories they usually make more off of men in terms of marketing mm-hmm so they'll be more successful so that's where you know <laughs> capitalism <laughs> where money flies everything and uh, that's what's available and yeah. simultaneously from what i understand historically lesbianism and the lesbian movement embraced a lot of ideas a lot of ideas that you can mess with gender mm-hmm. so when you have lesbians nowadays who are very you know trans exclusive or exclusionary I'm kind of like what are you doing (laughs) right right. (laughs) so when it comes to lesbians consuming BL I think there's some stuff to mess with in gender in there got some expression in there it's also available LGBTQ media which we're kind of hungry for Mm -hmm. and sometimes much like myself sometimes a lesbian isn't a lesbian (laughs) sometimes of course that is a work in progress (laughs) and that person is still figuring things out yeah I think that inaccessibility to GL content is really a big thing that pushes so many lesbian fans into the BL fandom and just the Mm -hmm. fact that I mean a lot of the stories are still very relatable just because Mm -hmm. they're from like a male perspective it doesn't mean that they're not going through a lot of similar struggles with like sexuality and coming out and things like that. Yeah. The big thing about BL was also one of the big traits that BL had was it was very romantic. Like, yes, yes, romance stories, which I mean, if you've ever read gay comic, I've read a lot of gay comic. It's all (laughs) just kind of, I mean, gay gay comic is just kinky. It's just, it's just, it's just, hairy lots of fluids and (laughs) it's very in your face one kind like one note kind of sexy media 
And Mm -hmm. sometimes I just want to read a romance. Sometimes I just want some good old romance. That's where BL Mm -hmm. is. I mean, their distinctive features aren't actually around. I mean, yeah, you have different bodies in BL, but Mm. it's really the themes that make them so incredibly different because you have way more romance and the opportunity for tragedy and bigger stories in BL Mm. that can change. And it is kind of changing, but you know, BL offers sort of, you know, more options. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I understand reaching for that BL, you want a good romance story. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what I think draws me in with BL and has always drawn me in is like the the fantastical romance of it all. Because usually like, okay, it's it has started blurring the lines with queer media and BL, yeah. but a lot of BL is very like that's not how real life works right but you're you want to get away you want to imagine a world where just like even the drama and like the hardships are just fantastical right it's just everything is just it's hard to explain I can't find the word for it but everything is idealized yeah it's an escape yeah, it is. It's a fantasy and you just want to get away from real life. I don't want to sit and watch a TV show about how crappy life is. I can live that. <laughs> have... Recording our hardships is very important. It tells mm. our story and it tells different stories because there's not yeah. just one story despite what everybody tells you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we, we need to record those. But it's also quite nice to escape that. Look, I grew up in a horrible place. I don't want to be reminded of every day. I like fluffy, happy content because that's what I want my life to look Mm -hmm. like. And I want to not think about sad tragedies and people dying. And I don't want to think about violence. And I, you know, I need a break. (laughs) Sometimes you just need a break. And that's what that can offer. So exactly, it was a different research project, not BL, but it was anime. Mm. I think it was Lord I can't remember their name (laughs) it's an anime association in Japan I can't remember their full name but they said in a report that they do every year they do industry reports anime and you know by extension manga Mm -hmm. has something for everyone Mm. right okay well so does BL yeah same concept same place that's how it works it has something for everyone Mm -hmm. that's the point so that people can entertain themselves or feel something meaningful or relate to something mm-hmm. or not relate to something. They just totally want to escape. That's the point. Yeah. This has been awesome. I Yay. really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I've learned a lot and I sort of feel like I better understand a lot of the issues going on and I think like I understood it before too but now I can like sort of point to where the understanding is right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's it feels better when you have some sort of direction as opposed to this overwhelming feeling of chaos and you're like what do I do yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's sort of having like uh, words put into like your feelings put into words right <laughs> English <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this was was amazing. We will put links to your Twitter and your Patreon and the the video from FujuCon. Yeah. And you will also be there for FujuCon this year. 
Yes, this year, I'm not repeating my same panel. I believe I'm mm -hmm. just going to do a different panel about the BL Fan Project and present mm -hmm. numbers and excerpts and talk about it, right. have a big Q&A. I believe there's also a round table that I'm on yeah. with some That's other awesome. folks. And um, go to FujoCon. Yes. <laughs> yes, for those who are interested, we are also doing a panel for FujoCon. So that's exciting. We are super excited. We've never done anything like that before. So <laughs> we will be talking in like uh, a little more in depth about the whole adapting novel, BL novels and manga into TV shows and the like, yeah, difficulties and yeah, fan culture and a little bit about stuff like that. So everyone should just go sign up because you it's free. But you need to sign up because you need to be 18. And also Scarlet Berico. Can we talk about that? Yes, <laughs> yeah. I saw. I'm really excited. <laughs> and for the live action BO people, Jeff and gameplay too. <laughs> yes. 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 I was seriously freaking out because I love Jeff so much. <laughs> 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 so yeah, that it's, it's gonna be insane. So we'll leave the links to FujiCon. So yes, everyone should go check it out and just sign up. It, it will be free. in June. Yeah, it's free. Yeah. Yes. So what's stopping you? <laughs> right. <laughs> and they save all the um, panels, don't they? So people can Not if they all don't. Of them. It depends on the panelist. So like okay. last year, I was fine with it, um, but some mm. people were. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we will be fine with it too. So if people aren't awake around the time, then you'll be able to watch it later. Mm -hmm. All right. Do you have anything else you want to say? No, I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I, let's see. The only other thing is, you know, feel free to put the link up for blfanproject.com too, yes. since that's a publicly accessible site. Will do. And, um, hang in there and stick together and listen to other people slash read more and discuss things try to toe down the aggressive stuff and have a good time <laughs> have yes. fun with it <laughs> that's very important that's kind of why we got here in the first place yes great mm -hmm. okay guys if you have any like questions or comments put them in the comment section below if you're on YouTube, if you're on Spotify, then yeah. You can find us on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, find us on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay, bye. 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 <laughs>People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.